Hey, everybody, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Throat Punch Monday. I am your host, Pacific Tita, a.k.a. Lynn, and I'm joined with my co-host, Cliff, and my new co-host, Brandy. She's um, our newest addition to Veteran Trash Talk. She's not new to podcasting, but she's here with us now. And I have our good friend, Laura, who is an author and combat veteran. Um, It's the month of June. And so this month we're celebrating uh, it's PTSD Awareness Month. We have Father's Day, which also falls on Juneteenth. Um, and then we have Women's Veterans Day. Uh, but without further ado, Cliff, go ahead and take us away if you have anything to talk about. I just, you know, I just want to add with it being PTSD Month to somebody who, who struggles with PTSD and who is also a suicide survivor. You know, this, this at this month, you know, just take the time to reach out to a friend or a co-worker or somebody who maybe is acting a little bit different um, throughout the month of June, like I always do on my Facebook page and all my social media, I post the signs and symptoms of PTSD and stuff. And so just get, take the time to get yourself familiarized. And, and you know, if, if they're having issues or problems, it may not be suicidal, but maybe they just want to talk to somebody or, or listen. And so, you know, just pick up that phone or text or that friend or family member just to say hi and just to see how they're doing. Because really, a, a kind gesture can really change somebody's uh, mindset, uh, you know, that's not in a good way on that day. So uh, that's all I have to say. And, and thanks for tuning in. It's going to be a great show. I'm very happy to have Brandy with us and very excited to talk with Laura. I read all, all your stuff online, Laura, and, and pretty <laughs> impressive. And so I'm happy to have you here today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Hey, um, I'm glad that you mentioned to call your friends, Cliff. I would go ahead and add, call the ones who are funny and outgoing too, because they're probably masking something. It's so much more easier to fake it than to like fake being sad. It's easier to fake being happy than fake being sad. And I am one of those. I would have to say the other day, I was just feeling so down and um, I was getting really into my feels and the demons were coming out. And I was like, man, this like, you know, it was just spiraling down. But then I went on our group, VTT official, and I saw a meme, something about uh, warriors within. And I was like, oh, my God, I really needed to see this. And Mm -hmm. um, it helped me go through the day, you know, and a lot of people are like, wow, there's no way like you suffer from mental Mm -hmm. illness or PTSD, because what does it really look like? What does PTSD or mental illness look like? I mean, it looks like you, it looks like me, it looks like somebody down the street, it could be the homeless person, it could be me with a nice job. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not complaining about my life or anything, but we all go through it. So check on everybody. Well, anytime you have trauma, you know, with PTSD, it always sneaks, it's in your mind, right? And it sneaks back in, not at good times. And so yeah. you might be sick, you might be having stress with bills, your kids might be something or whatever. You know, I, I took Lloyd to school this morning and the car in front of me, the little kid gets up and, and he looks at his dad and all of a sudden he just blows chunks. And so that Father's Day just completely went sideways, <laughs> went to drop his kid off at school. Did he throw up on you or wait, what happened? No, no, no next to his car. But oh. <laughs> the, the kids off and he got out and he looked at his dad and then he just threw up and I was like, oh, oh my wow. goodness. And I've gone through that with Lloyd. And just like you said, you know, just at any time with PTSD, those demons can sneak back in. And that's why we do our show. And that's why all of us are here is to kind of help everybody that when those demons sneak in, just like what Lynn was saying, she went out and she she looked at something on social media that kind of helped her change her mindset. And that's kind of really what we want to do. Yeah, it's elusive. It's this elusive creature. Sometimes you don't want to be vulnerable. Like that's part of 
like my trauma is I want to be strong and mask it and I don't want to ask for help or I don't want to be vulnerable online because people would be like, oh, look, she's a bitch or she's being emotional or a typical woman like no. You know, I don't want to bring that attention, that sort of attention towards me. So I don't really like try to say anything. But um, somebody saw my comment on there and I said my comment was always I really needed to see this. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And that somebody actually messaged me and I was like, wow, they're paying attention, yeah. you know, and so that really meant a lot. So it's going to be Women's Veterans Day. When is Women's Veterans Day, Brandy? So it's uh, going to be June 12th. Um, so I know Texas, they celebrate Texas Women Veterans Day here as well. Um, so it's something that they really do take seriously. I love seeing that our sisters in arms are celebrating our other sisters in arms. Like it's something that it needs to happen. It Unfortunately, we don't see it enough. And I mean, especially, you know, it is PTC Awareness Month, you know, and people really don't think about that. You know, they don't think about, you know, women having PTSD and what that looks like, you know, and I think that it's great that they have a sense of community and fellowship just because so many women veterans, like we spread the winds, we really don't um, interact with each other after the service. And I think that having that sense of camaraderie person to understand you is really important. And I think that it's something that we a lot of times feel that we're by ourselves and we shouldn't. Right, I agree. Oh, okay. I remember now, Laura. So <laughs> when you were on the episode, it was Women's History Month. Remember that? Yes. yes. Okay. And then they were like, oh, we, why are we celebrating Women's History Month? Well, the yeah. same reason why we celebrate Women's Veterans Day. Everyone's like, well, we already have a Veterans Day. Well, yes, we know we have a Veterans Day, but are we really like focusing on women's accomplishments and all the things we've been to been through? Because, I mean, we've been through so much in such a short period of time and um, accomplished a lot of firsts, you know, and right. even in our era. Um, so I think it's important to see that um, to, to show, you know, there, there's people that we can look up to, people like me who look mm-hmm. like me or, right. you know, of the same gender. <laughs> Well, and Len, you nailed that on the head when you, when you had said, um, you know, people look at you as a female as like, oh, you're acting too feminine or you're, you're you're too emotional. I just wrote, um, I do a weekly blog and my weekly blog this week is about working moms because it was just mother's day and how we, how we have all these biases towards working moms and we don't even realize it. For example, when I became principal, two of my superiors said, because I was a principal of a middle school, they said, are you sure this is the best thing for your family? And I, and I got emotional, not because I was like, oh, maybe it's not, but because I was thinking, I'm sorry, would you ever say this to a man? No, you would say to a man, congratulations, this is the best thing for your family. Mm-hmm. And, and so just these little su- subtle microaggressions or biases can really hamper a woman's joy and enthusiasm for moving on to the next step in life. And so I feel like because those things still exist, we do need to have a separate day for us or a separate month for us or whatever it might be, because we're still up against a lot more challenges than, than our counterparts. Right. Um, and it was, I, I mean, back in the day, they had like, um, an, they called the women's part of the military auxiliary or not even like, you know what I mean? Like it was waves or it was, um, what, what is it, Brandy? Black waves, wasps. Black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually met a lady that was in the uh, the WAC recently when I was um, inducted to the um, Women Veteran World History Exhibit at UTSA, and she was explaining like, "Congratulations!" 
yeah, no clue why they picked me. But anyway, I was thankful to be there. But honestly, like there's generals there. I'm like, why am I here? I'm an E5. But um, no, it was great hearing from them because they were saying like when we first came in, you know, like they were a whack, you know, I, we, I was able to meet a wasp when, or I'm sorry, a spar when I was running for Miss Veteran America, but they were saying that the jobs were so limited then, mm. you know, there's three jobs you could have as a woman veteran. I mean, or a woman serving, should I say? And I mean, think of that to now, like, I mean, there's really no limitations for a female, but you know, not even 60 years ago, that was quite the opposite. I mean, you getting pregnant, like you were out of the military, like, you know, you couldn't have that work-life balance. That wasn't something that existed then. Yeah. You you didn't usually go to forward locations. You didn't, you know, do uh, much that, you know, women felt that, you know, they, they were really serving, you know, and then they really expanded it, you know, within our lifetime. I mean, it's just wild to see, you know, how much change in such a short period of time, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like how you talked about pregnancy because I remember being pregnant back in 2004 or 2005. And um, so I got taken off the ship. So I was on a ship for a deployed ship. And um, you have to be off the ship because it's not safe for a pregnant woman to be on board. Okay, so I am off the ship long enough to give birth. And so they give you about six weeks to recover, right? After birth. And then I was right back on a ship and I was right back going underway and getting deployed, even though I was breastfeeding. And it's like the middle of the summer and I'm in San Diego. And granted, it's not as hot in San Diego, but like if you're standing in the sun directly, like it's hot. So I'm underway. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's my point. Like there was no places to pump on the ship. Like there's no, it's for deployed. Like that's not a place for a woman who is nursing. And And so I would leak through my uniform and Uh. even with the pads. And so I would have to put on a jacket in the middle of the summer and they'd be like, shipmate, well, why are you wearing a jacket? It's 85 degrees outside. Um, first of all, I'm leaking. Second of all, I'm still recovering from giving birth. Like, um, and so I'm so glad to see that there is like that much progress that's happened now that women don't go on for deployed um, units until a, a whole year after at least um, giving birth. And so I think that was a lot a, a, a main factor that a lot of women got out because they didn't have that time with their child. You know, they always say your child doesn't come in your sea bag. Right. But I mean, it's important to have that work life balance. Yeah. <clears throat> is there um, is there anybody you wanted to highlight for Women's Veterans Day, Brandy? Um, for me, I mean, there's so many women veterans that are out there. I mean, I celebrate uh, all of our sisters, uh, especially the ones that are really trying to strive for change. Um, I love seeing that there are so many women veterans in the um, like they're trying to be more active in their speaking. Um, I, I, do you mean like a veteran that is well-known or like a veteran that um, maybe history-wise uh, you wanted uh, me to talk about? That's great. All right, let's switch gears. Laura, so yes. you've been on Veteran Trash Talk before. Um, oh. Let's talk about you. So uh, I, I downloaded your book. It's called... Awesome. Pee standing up, right? Yes. Sirens, how to pee standing up. <laughs> how to pee standing up. You can get it on Amazon. You can get, I actually downloaded it on um, Apple Books. 
So you can download on Apple Books um, electronically, or you can get the copy on Amazon, right? Yeah. And I did a audio version. I read mm-hmm. it myself um, in my closet because it was the only place that had good soundproofing. And um, you can get that on Google Play. Yeah. Nice. I actually saw the audio version on Apple also. Oh, awesome. Good. Yeah. I mean, it's probably going to expand and, you know, my hope is to get on Audible someday because that's a huge market there. So I literally just downloaded it like a week ago and I didn't get through the first, I only got through the first two chapters. I, I read the whole book. Um, and the beginning is talking about your life, um, joining, like you're from Wisconsin, right? Yes. Uh, and is, is tell, a, by the way, I talk. <laughs> <laughs> is it a, what, what, what part of Wisconsin is a small town? Yeah. So I, I mean, I grew up in Northern Wisconsin for the first eight years. Um, and then did you hear it there? Brandy, the accent. Don't you know, I'm from uh, Northern Wisconsin myself. Don't you right. know. And now, <laughs> and now I'm central Wisconsin, but I lived for about 17 years in Madison, Wisconsin. And then I've been, um, I lived in England for a little while and Fargo for a little while. And then, you know, I was deployed for 16 months. That's, that's a long time to be away too. Where in the UK? Um, it was called Aylesbury and it's between Oxford and London. Ooh, I live by Cambridge. It was amazing. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. So um, the first chapter, my take on it was, um, was pretty much you went into the military and it was like a culture shock, just the way <laughs> you were treated and the way they talked to you. And you're like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> you know, and I think, I think just that first couple chapters is, is, is a good book for anyone who's thinking mm. of joining, um, especially coming from a small town or especially like you're not used to that kind of environment, you know, hostile. And- right. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, if this was the face of ignorance in 2001, when I signed <laughs> up, I had no idea. I was like, oh, an adventure, a reason to stay in shape, pay for college, travel the world. Why not? You know, it was six months before September 11th happened, complete peacetime. Yeah, what could happen? um, (laughs) Yeah, well, that's what my friend said. What could happen in the next six years? Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I was super naive to the ways of the military. And I, I mean, I grew up in, you know, middle class, but privileged and a very nice family. And I always followed the rules. So like, I never got yelled at. I never got harassed. I just did. I just walked through life and, you know, it was fine. And then I get there and these people are giving me a hard time. I'm like, listen, this, you don't have to do this. I'll do what you say without it. (laughs) Right. Um, So I remember you said that you picked being an MP because it was an MOS that would get you closest to actually fighting or doing something. Yes. That is exactly right. It was the closest a woman could get to the front lines, which I feel like is an archaic term anyways. Um, And plus my dad was an MP and I, I just want to do something that was going to be more hoorah, I guess, than, than a mechanic. And that was my other, only other choice. Right. And like, and like I said, that's why celebrating women is so much, is so important because I mean, just in 2001, you couldn't even pick the MOS that you actually wanted. Like, mm-hmm. so, um, so <laughs> tell us about your time in Baghdad. Yeah. So we were the first permanent establishment after the Marines and whoever else went through and took over the country. So we lived in a bombed out resort that was one of Saddam Hussein's top 
people um, in the green zone. We only had two walls because the other two were blown up by an explosion and there were still remnants of bombs and soot and just shrapnel everywhere. So we cleaned it up and made it nice and eventually moved into the basement and got bathrooms and air conditioning. But I mean, we moved there in the summer in Baghdad. It's excruciatingly hot and we didn't have, a, we didn't even have toilets. I mean, you know, th these are things that people don't think about you know, when you think about Ukraine and the people stuck in the steel plant for 60 days to 90 days, how are they even going to the bathroom? And so, you know, I'm, I try to make it real by calling it how to peace standing up because there's, <laughs> there's so many things that people don't even think about when it comes to going into combat. And especially as a woman, I couldn't knock on somebody's door to use their bathroom and I couldn't drop trow in the middle of an urban fighting environment to go to the bathroom. Like that would have offended everybody. Plus I don't really want to do that in front of people either. So I bought a 99 cent funnel from Fleet Farm, which is a, like a, I don't know, Home Depot maybe in your world. <laughs> and um, I went to the bathroom with a funnel. Yeah, you had to make do like that. Yeah. So that funnel where you like put oil through. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It was blue. Mm -hmm. It was bright blue. So I sprayed the camouflage on it and, um, and just carried it everywhere I went. I had a little, uh, carabiner that I stuck onto my, my uniform if I had to walk away and I knew it would be a long time. And yeah. Yeah. That's one thing that, you know, as a combat veteran that people don't realize that when you're in combat, all those little niceties that you have at home, you don't have. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that, you know, and they're like, oh, well, you're over there and it wasn't all that bad. I'm like, you have no clue. Right. When I, when I came out of Iraq to sit on a porcelain toilet to me was worth more than any money in the world because I was so sick of going anywhere, like you were saying, or sitting in a porta party where sand fleas would just eat your ass up. Oh, and it was, it, you're you sweating nonstop and yeah, it's just impossible to pull things up and down. And all yeah, those orders. Yeah. Although after peeing in the shrubs or going to the bathroom in bags or whatever we had to do, getting wow. those porta potties, it was like the Rolls Royce of bathrooms. Oh. And you know, <laughs> when you go anywhere in, in the United States and people are like, ew, porta potties. I'm like, trust me, it gets much worse. <laughs> <laughs> so you went from porta potties to peeing and standing up in the funnel. Yeah. to transitioning out and I'm not trying to minimize your career or anything but like we only have so much time no it's totally fine <laughs> so you transition out of the military and then now you are a, a strategic consultant for leadership right yes and yep. and so walk me through how do you go from being an MP mm -hmm. to a principal to now doing what you do now great question so um just to just to say I did more than go to the bathroom in Iraq. I'll just say <laughs> our main purpose right, was to train the Iraqi police officers while we were there. So I made great mm -hmm. relationships with them and with the interpreters. And then we also escorted a lot of, of US and UN personnel. In fact, one of the Australian UN ambassadors, uh, security guards proposed a, a girl in my squad. So we got very close with many, many um, really renowned individuals and got to see some beautiful parts of Baghdad, but also very dangerous parts too. Sure. Um, so those are our, our primary missions. Um, so when I joined, I was already in, I was already at UW-Madison and I was already getting my degree to be a, a physical education teacher. And I really, really um, started diving into the, the challenge and adventure aspects. So the ropes courses, the rock climbing, um, camping, spelunking, you know, all that really cool outdoor stuff and building communities and teams and taking these heterogeneous groups of students and creating a really cool family within a semester. 
um, and I was making this huge difference with these students, I'm still getting wonderful Facebook messages or texts or connecting somehow by these students who are like, you made the biggest difference when I was in high school, thank you, you know? And so while I was there, I was like, what can I do to make an even bigger difference? Because right now I can affect my five classes I have a semester, but what if I could, what if I could affect the whole school? So I went back to school to get my admin degree and um, became Dean of Students and realized, you know, when your first interaction with a student is punitive, it's really hard to build relationships. So then I, I started exploring um, the role of admin. And so that's how I got my first job as a middle school principal or assistant principal into the principal role eventually. And so I did that for four years and through COVID and just extreme changes within the educational system. And I have three young kids. I have a five-year-old, almost seven and almost nine-year-old. Um, it got to a point where I, I, my passion was just kind of oozing out of me. I just, there's so many stressors and just so much negativity within that occupation that I said, well, I promised myself in Big Dad that I wouldn't do anything I didn't love because life is too fleeting. I mean, there were so many times when I thought I wasn't going to make it out of there. And, and you just, I mean, same thing as this feeling, you just never know. And I want to live my best life and I want to live my best life with my kids. And so that's when I decided I'm going to take all of this knowledge that I've gained from all of my experiences in life. And I'm going to become a consultant and a professional speaker. Awesome. Um, so what sort of companies or um, people will hire you to be a consultant or a professional speaker? Yeah, great question too. I, um, right now I work with really anybody who's hiring uh, or promoting within. That's a huge uh, pocket of individuals that don't necessarily get the training they need. And those internal promotions can be really tough when you change the dynamics of relationships. So you go right. from being peers to somebody to being in this power status. And if you don't get started on the right foot, it can be really detrimental. And then those bosses lose a great employee at the, at the peer level and then potentially could lose you as a leader. And now they're having to fill two voids. So I really want to help organizations to make sure that those newly promoted leaders succeed uh, at any at any organization, large, small. And I also just help. I'm a trusted advisor. I'm, I'm working with a lot of individuals who want to hire the right people or build stronger teams. And, and that's really what I do, because, again, so much experience with with really developing great community within organizations. Right. I, I think that's important because a lot of people think that leaders are born and that's not necessarily true because right. you leaders are also trained and they're, they can be taught. There's mm -hmm. different kinds of leaders, leadership skills and um, different ways you can get people to follow you. And if you are put into a leadership position, not knowing any of that, then how are you going to succeed as a leader or how would people follow you? How are you going to transform, you know, your people if you right. don't have that training. And for me, I recall when I got out the military, I thought, oh, I'm just going to tell people what to do and they're going <laughs> to do it because that's how it works. Mm. Uh, no, newsflash, that's not how it <laughs> fucking works. I made people cry. I've made people almost quit. I have gotten talked to by like district managers like um, Lynn, you can't talk to people that way. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm just telling them what's up straight up. And like, it was for me, it was a learning curve. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's, that's a huge, just knowing that people don't 
say, okay, like they do in the military, you have to explain the why, and you have Mm -hmm. to develop those relationships and that trust before you can take anybody with you or before they want to follow you really. Right. There's a whole skill we have to learn when we get out home. (laughs) (laughs) It's a whole different skill. Like I, I know like, and I, I hate to be one of those back in my day, (laughs) but like a lot of my friends were like, now, now, now today is a little bit kinder and gentler, but back in my day, people were scared to get out because they didn't know how to talk to civilians. They didn't know like to navigate that. And so, yeah, that was where I was coming from. But as far as leadership comes from within, um, if you don't know how to separate, you know, the two, like being friends, like say you're friends with your peers now, but then you get promoted. If you don't know how to separate those friendships and then, the leadership part, then it'll crumble also. Yeah. The favoritism and Mm -hmm. absolutely. And that's the thing too. You could be a great leader, but you could still make mistakes. And so part of my job is to make sure that they get started on the right foot and they can learn from others before they do those mistakes themselves. You know, it's interesting because when you go out of the, I was in the military for 34 years and just mm-hmm. last year, last August, and actually turned down a promotion to CW5 because people are like, well, why'd you retire? I was like, COVID killed my career because I realized my kids I have a seven-year-old and 18-year-old were more important in the military at that time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my, my degrees in business and sociology, and they're like, well, why did you pick sociology? And, and you brought up a good point. When you leave the military and go into the corporate world, or you're in the military and you, you are no longer in a line unit, now you're in a staff unit, right? Mm. What you figure out very quickly is that in each floor, in each office of a corporation, a, a staff of whatever, they operate as their own society. Yeah. And once you learn how to navigate inside of that society and realize the, the con, pros and cons of it, then you'd be able, and that's what you're helping these employees do when they get promoted internally is to navigate inside each one of those separate societies inside of that organization. A lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, to your point, it's really easy when you first get promoted or get a leadership role to think, okay, here's some make changes I want to make. But then after you're there and you don't want to make immediately. So you kind of hold off and you, you, you know, you, you see how things go but then after about a year you start speaking that language of that society and you forget about those changes you want to make so I'm also there to help you continue to strategize on how to improve because sometimes an outside perspective is really valuable or somebody who was at the peer status who knows what kind of changes you should make based on where you used to be that can be really powerful when you get promoted but it's easy to lose sight of that when you start just getting into the weeds yeah yeah that's so true Um, I like how both of y'all brought up a point where family is super important Mm. and you want to live your life. And I know, Brandy, you've talked about this, too. You do things for your daughter. Um, And I found a TikTok yesterday. Guys, you know, I love talking about TikTok. And it said, (laughs) I hate to ruin your day, but um, 50 is not middle age. It's 35 and 40. Yeah, thanks for depressing me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like people typically live to like 70s and 80s right mm. so i'm 38 so um it you have to make that decision to mm. make your you know to be happy and to live your life you only get one sh- one shot at this right mm-hmm. and so laura you did that cliff you did that i did that brandy i'm sure you did that um and that's super important um so tell us a little bit about your home life laura and how it's helped you uh, become a better person, mom, yeah. wife. 
Yeah. Well, I, I mean, like I mentioned, I grew up in a, in a very loving and wonderful family and that's been really helpful. I can't imagine navigating this world without them. My older brother uh, was also a veteran. He was in Ramadi, Iraq when I was there at the same time. And then I have a twin brother who ironically was a teacher and now is a police detective. And so I went police wow. to teacher. Wow. I know um, our lines are, or our lives are incredibly parallel and I um, mean, my husband is really supportive. You know, it's been interesting though. And I am, I'm, I want to know how you all feel with this too. It's almost like I have to teach him though, how to respond to me and my post-traumatic stress, because he's never, like, he doesn't deal with it, obviously, because he wasn't in the military and he doesn't always understand what I need in a moment. So, so having that open communication with him has helped immensely with, with me getting through some certain, you know, parts within our marriage. Have you noticed the same thing with you? Well, you know, it's, it's tough because, you know, of course, I'm a suicide survivor and my wife knew nothing about that part of my life. And it, oh, it wow. I mean, she's, she's still in the military. She's active duty Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's hard because um, you may not understand why you're feeling that way that day. Right. Mm-hmm. And your spouse knows something's wrong, but they don't understand what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife and I were both very type A people. So we, we don't argue because we know how it's going to end. Neither one of us is going to admit defeat. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Um, pros and cons to that. But, but one thing she's very good at, she's a nurse in the Navy. She's a commander is sometimes it's just good for, to listen. Right. And that, that was hard for me uh, to just listen to her. She's like, I don't want you to fix my problems. I don't want you to do anything because men always want to fix things. I just want you to listen and sometimes I think for men we forget that that when your spouse is having a bad day or she's stressed out with the kids and she's talking sometimes it's good just to shut your mouth and listen to her and sometimes we just always want to jump in and help and jump in help I was a warrant officer right so I want to fix it right move on fix it move on (laughs) and what Cliff needed to do was shut his damn mouth and listen to what she was saying and pay attention to what she was saying Um, And so that's, that's very hard. I mean, my wife's stationed in Rhode Island right now. We're separated family again. Um, And we've been together for 14 years and we've lived in separate houses for seven. Yeah. Um, So, so as you were saying with your husband, who, who is not familiar with PTSD or things, I think the most important thing for you is not, he'll never understand it, but he's going to be supportive of you. And that's what I was going to say, just sit down with him and say, you know, honey, there might be a time where I just need to go sit in a dark room and be, be by myself for a little bit. And I need you to understand this. It doesn't mean I'm mad at you. doesn't mean I hate you. doesn't mean I don't love you. Mm-hmm. It just means that I, I need to have this moment for my life because something went on and I just need to go deal with it the way I know how to deal with it. Yeah. And we all deal with it differently, you know, and, and that's what I always talk about on my podcast, Mental Health Warriors. You got to have different tools in your toolbox when PTSD sneaks in. And people forget that's only going to be one thing to fix it. It's not one thing to fix it. It's going to be multiple things and multiple community. And that's why we're all here doing what we're doing. Yes. Right. I think if you just let you, sorry, if you just, I'm getting choked up. If you just let your husband understand that, I think maybe he'll better be able, anybody listening uh, would be able to be able to understand that. I mean, October 3rd is a day that affects me. Of course, I was at Pentagon 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those days, you know, you just, and, and maybe let him know of certain dates that bother you. Uh, and maybe he can be more sensitive to those times in your life that you had bad things go on. I'd, I'd also like to add that um, it's a, a lot of people have a misconception that everyone has to understand them that, oh, these, this person doesn't fully understand me. They don't get me. 
So I'm just going to shy away or, you know, seclude myself because these people don't get me. Civilians don't get me. My, my spouse doesn't get me. My friends don't get me. Arr. The thing is, nobody's going to fully understand you, but you. So it's up to the individual to be self-aware. If you have that self-awareness of what actually triggers you, then you can have that communication. If you don't have that self-awareness, you're just going to be like, rah, rah, or like seclude yourself. Right. And um, that's not healthy. Right. And so I would encourage people to have some self-reflection, have that time to give yourself some grace or uh, time to reflect and meditate on that. Uh, Cause if you don't know yourself, then how are you going to help other people navigate you and your traumas mm. is you can't always expect people to know what you're going through. You can't like, if I am somebody's spouse and I don't know their triggers, I would hate to walk around eggshells all day. That would be a terrible life, you know? So I think it's um it's on both parts. Hopefully you have an understanding spouse or friends or parents or whatever it is, um, workplace even <clears throat> for them to understand, hey, listen, I have these traumas. Sometimes I need to be left alone, kind of like what Cliff was saying. So I just wanted to point that out. Brandy, I know you have some stuff to say about that too. Yeah, well, I was going to say like really with PTSD, I think a lot of people really don't look at alternative treatments or take that PTSD seriously as far as managing that. And I think that so often like we can surround ourselves with people that don't necessarily understand PTSD. They may diminish the PTSD and sometimes they gaslight it a bit. And we need to be careful as veterans as well, like, or just people with PTSD, right. That, you know, when we surround ourselves with like the right or wrong people, you know, if we were to be triggered, you know, what would happen, you know, cause there's been times that I've been triggered in public places or, you know, around people that really didn't understand and they diminished it and it made it worse. And it was, and the thing so often caregivers, they don't get the training or education that they really need to better understand, like this person is being triggered. These are things that you could do, you know, to make help or, you know, and the, the veteran doesn't always know, or the person doesn't always know, you know, these are my issues. This is what's going on. You know, a lot of times they're just trying to like survive their own life. And I think the education is just so important and it's just so, um, I guess, underseen. And I think that that's something I'd really like to see, like more of is just education and just knowledge and like ways that you could actually better manage it. Because I think a lot of us could probably learn something. I mean, including myself, I'm always learning something new. That's yeah. true. That's such a good point, Brandy. And, and I loved what, what you all said, because I could see myself in all of those places since I've gotten home in 04. You know, when I first, when I first got home, I had no idea what was happening. I had no idea how to manage it. And I had to do a ton of soul searching to figure out how do I convey this to others and how do I take care of myself? And at one point I just finally had to go to the VA to get the help that I needed because I couldn't, I couldn't do it myself anymore. And, and I mean, I had a friend, God, it was thunderstorming and we were at a cabin on a lake. And every time that boom happened, I like flinched and freaked out and like tears came to my eyes and she just laughed at me because she didn't know how to respond. And I didn't know how to tell her to respond. That's the worst but, feeling. Huh? That's the worst feeling too. Yes. Yes. It's like, I'm like, do I go home? Do I like, oh, it was terrible. So, you know, it's come a long way. And, and to Cliff's point, I, I definitely know what to say to my husband. Now I'm like, you know, give me space or just give me a hug 
or let me talk to you, but please don't give me a solution right now or play the devil's advocate, just let me talk. Um, so having those, those conversations are, have just been incredibly helpful with dealing with it. You know, it's, it's sometimes I post things on Facebook and then I have to tell every, all my friends, look, I'm, I'm not having issues or problems. You know, I, I posted one a while back about my suicide attempt. And sometimes I just reflect back on what would happen had I not survived. Right. And then I start thinking about all the positives of what happened since 2002. Right. And so as your mind drifts, you turn a negative into a positive. But I wanted to I had to text all my friends and say, hey, I'm OK. I'm OK. I'm just doing a posting that came to mind. But that's how I deal with my yeah, you did that this morning. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's how I deal with my PTSD is, is, you know, if something comes to mind, I just want to share it. And, and so I get it out there and I'm, I'm sure you do the same thing with your blogs, uh, you and you and Brandy with the podcast and stuff. You just share things that come to your mind because you think that if it bothers me, then maybe it might bother somebody else. And maybe my, what I do might help them. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's part of the whole reason why I wrote this. I mean, it was my, it was like a therapy session for two years, you know? And I can't tell you how many people who have read this that are civilians that finally feel like they can get a better understanding of what soldiers go through when they get home and how to help them. So, I mean, if anything that came out of it, I'm just glad that there's some, I don't know if I want to call it closure, but there's some, some help clarity for, yeah, clarity for yeah. family. Thank you. Yeah. Or That's, family and friends. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your blogs. Cause you write blogs too. What, what are your blogs consist of and what are they about? <laughs> Um, I do, they're called Thursday thoughts and they're mostly for, for any leader really out there. I, I cater them a lot to business leaders, but if you're just a leader, it's just how to deal with people. And a lot of it, a lot of it is, um, related to what's going on in the, either the news or, you know, I like this one's focused on mothers because it was just mother's day or working moms, I should say. Um, you know, at 2021, I, or the new year, I wrote a 21 lessons I learned in 2021. And so just helping um, anybody who wants some leadership lessons, that's what they're for. And you can get them. I always post them on LinkedIn, but also lauracolbert.com is my website. And so they're on there as well. And I just rebooted a new website. So like, unfortunately, a lot of my older blogs aren't on there. Um, I have to kind of go back and forth and, and get them on there yet, but they go back to December. So I'm going to go follow you on LinkedIn though. Sounds good. <laughs> I didn't know you're on LinkedIn. I got to follow you on there too. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. Everybody has one. <laughs> um, well, so no, uh, go ahead, Lynn. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> I just wanted to say that, you know, I, I, I know I, I do speaking events prior to my podcast for veteran stress talk. I, I travel all over the world doing speaking events, much like you, Laura. And, you know, when I, when Afghanistan happened, the debacle, when we pulled out of Afghanistan, I had so many corporations call me wanting to come in and speak to their veterans organizations yeah. uh, because so many people was affected. But what I found out was that when I went out and I spoke to him and I spoke to all employees to these corporations, not just to the veterans group. Now I went and had a luncheon with the veterans group afterwards, but just the employees themselves that were affected because their coworkers were affected by it. Um, and you could just kind of see that throughout the whole corporation. And, and, and it was really touching that something I didn't realize a lot of these corporations, one had veterans group, but two had these mindless mind, mind centers where these, employees could go to, to talk to a wellness coach or, or talk to somebody um, that had set those up. Turner Construction Company was one of them that had a really good program. And, and that was just really nice and something that I hadn't really um, experienced a whole lot. Uh, but, you know, and, and it's just a great thing that corporations now are looking 
to better understand, but not only PTSD with, with their veterans workers, but also with their workers inside themselves. Because like I was telling the, the president of the company, somebody can be driving to work and get in a car wreck or see a car wreck or, or any kind of trauma. It doesn't have to be war related. And that can, that's PTSD. And so it's not just a, a war related uh, injury. It can happen to anybody. And I think sometimes people get too wrapped up. It's, it's a veteran thing. And it's not just a veteran thing. Kids can have trauma. Young yeah. adults can have trauma. Teenagers can have trauma. And so it's, it's, a, it's a whole a circle of, of life things with PTSD. And I think sometimes people forget that. Yeah. And I, and I love, love, love that you um, talk to everybody in the organization because it goes right back to what we were talking about. It's how do you support the veterans or how do you, and, and again, that solidarity with post-traumatic stress. And there's so many family trauma things that happen as well, domestic trauma. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. And I don't know if it's getting better, but there's still a stigma. And so we just, the more we can talk about it, the better it is. You know, one thing I learned, I had Rachel Van Horn on my show and she's a life mm-hmm. coach. And she was talking about if you had trauma as a child, that if you have trauma as an adult, it's just that much worse. Now, like you, I had a very happy childhood. We were poor, but we were farmers. We didn't know we were poor because we were never hungry, but I had a happy childhood. Yeah. So, you know, my PTSD, my suicide attempt, you know, was something that if somebody would have told me, you know, in 2001, by the end of 2002, you'd be laying on the couch dying by your own hand, I'd never believe them. Uh, it just wasn't going to happen to me, but it did happen. Um, and I think sometimes that, that, that trauma, that if you're dealing with trauma that happened to you younger, and now you're dealing with trauma now, it just makes it that much worse. When you do go to therapy and you start peeling back those layers of that onion and it gets really ugly. And so I always tell people that it's very important to understand that, but just know that once those layers are gone, you'll enjoy the sunshine and the moonlight as, as you did before all that happened. And it's just sometimes it's a hard road to get through. Yeah, for sure. So Laura, what do you have, um, advice do you have for new leaders um, that are coming out of the military and into the workforce? Uh, Well, I mean, make sure that you've got a good mentor or an advisor or somebody who can, you can bounce ideas off of, you can give scenarios to. Um, I've got two groups here in town. One is a... um, leadership lunch, which is actually why I have to leave. And it's just local leaders. And we do a mastermind group at the end where people can bring their problems to the table. And then I also am starting up, it's it's called Win Women's Influential Network here in the area. And so women could also have camaraderie and can have that time to bounce ideas and learn from each other. So make sure that you're, you're part of a really robust network that can help you grow and multiply your experiences. It's just you live one lifetime, but if you can have 20 people in your life that can give you more experience, that's going to be huge. And take time. Don't, don't make rash decisions. Don't, don't feel like you have to have the answer right away. Make sure that you really do your due diligence and your research and find the historical context. If something doesn't seem right, ask a lot of questions. Um, don't make assumptions. That's one of the worst things that you can do as a newly promoted leader. Ask, just ask questions if you don't understand it, either from, from somebody that is under your charge or somebody that's, that's your superior. Um, that's one of my goals in life is to always make sure that my assumptions are answered because that's, again, that's where errors occur a lot. And then clear expectations for everybody. Oh, yeah. You don't, mm-hmm. you don't know what's expected of you, or if your employees don't know what's expected from you, it's, that's where all the anger, the misconceptions, 
it yeah so clear expectations are huge yeah i, I learned that when that. i I, <laughs> I learned that when i went to because i have my bsba and my mba and that was one of the first things i learned was like establish expectations right away because if mm. like they don't understand why or or some or one day they do something and then you say oh no that's wrong well you didn't establish that you yeah. know and then that's you so i i totally agree thanks so much for that advice for our new leaders out there yeah. um and i do want to thank you so much for being on our show we're gonna go ahead and get some final thoughts brandy do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave with us today um, so I did actually want to talk about one, a woman veteran. So uh, she's kind of like my Shiro. Um, it's actually <laughs> Congresswoman Tammy Duckworth. She actually is an army veteran and she lost both legs and part of damage to her right arm, but she does help a lot of the veteran community. And I think that's pretty amazing. Um, as far as final thoughts, I think that what Laura's doing is amazing. I mean, PTSD, um, just getting that information out there, you know, it's okay to not be okay. And for you, for your book, I mean, you're real. And I think it's something that people outside of the military, they need to see that part of, um, I guess, military life, you know, especially from a woman's point of view, I think that it's very needed and I can't wait to see uh, what else that you do. Thanks. <laughs> all right, Cliff, final thoughts? Just want to say that uh, to all the men out there that watch the podcast, and if you have a wife or a mother or a daughter or somebody served in the military just just take the time to listen to them and talk to them uh, and Lynn you brought up a great point just to be self-aware uh, you know about things I think sometimes we forget that in the in the bustle and the hustle of life uh, but I want to say is as I'm very proud to be on this podcast too with the three women that are here uh, I'm thankful for your service I served with some great women in my military career and some who I served with the lady Nancy Fielding, who was the first female aviation pilot in North Carolina, an absolute phenomenal woman. Uh, to this day, I, I never forget the way she mentored me uh, and several jobs that I had. And it's, you know, and men can have women mentors, too. And I think sometimes people forget that. Um, and I've had a lot of great ones in my life. And I just want to thank you all, not only for your service, but what all you've done after your service. Thanks a lot for that, Cliff. All right, guys, we have so much to celebrate, uh, so much to be thankful for. Uh, June is PTSD Awareness Month. Thanks, you guys, for having this conversation. It's very much needed. Laura, thanks for all you do in our community, as well as Cliff and Brandy. Uh, everybody, keep doing what you're doing out there. If you haven't yet, click subscribe on that YouTube. We're on VeteranTrashTalk.com. Uh, you can uh, listen, shop, and look at all of our stuff that we have to op offer there. We're also on Facebook. VTT Official is our group, our support group, Veteran Trash Talk. Uh, Facebook page. Brandy has her Facebook page. Yes, I Am the Veteran is her podcast. She is our newest podcaster with Veteran Trash Talk. She's not new to podcasting, but she's new to us, and we're so happy to have her. Cliff, the mental health warrior, he has his Facebook page, the mental health warrior, cliffordbombin.com and lauracolbert.com. Go ahead and check us all out. And that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on Throat Punch Monday, guys. See you next time.